Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Salaf Lodi, here with my sister, Rafia. And this episode is everything you need to know about the female sexual response cycle. I know it doesn't sound that sexy, but it is important to know and understand and hopefully helpful to some of our listeners out there. Uh, Before I get into it, I want to make very clear that this is not any type of medical Um, advice. So if you are looking for some of that, please go see your healthcare provider. And this is not any type of religious advice either. So if you're seeking help with your religion, please be advised to go seek out the help of your neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast, because I am a Muslim woman that happens to talk about sex. So Raf, today... We are going to talk about this circular model, and I'm going to show you. I know it's not that exciting, but look. Do you see that? Wow. <laughs> Diagrams today. I like it. Look at those highlighted I notes. Know. I know, right? They are highlighted. You so. are getting fancy with each podcast. <laughs> I'm trying. So basically, what I wanted to talk about today is just this um, – notion of of the sexual response that we have in in humans and you know the earliest ones that we had was this linear model back in 1966 by two researchers whose names were Masters and Johnson and they described like this linear model of basically what happens when somebody gets aroused and when they have sex and what they described was that Basically, you had like these four stages. First was excitement, and then you had this plateau, and then you have orgasm, and then you have resolution. And so there's, you know, and that worked for a long time because people thought that that's all it was. But we have to remember that that research was done on white men and also that there weren't any women included in that study Mm -hmm. and that most research you know, up until recently has been done on white men. So, you know, it's not always that you can transpose that information onto other people and definitely not onto women, because as we know, women are definitely the superior sex. No, I'm kidding. Yes. (laughs) They need to contact the women and different segment of society. (laughs) Right. And and that women women are more percent of that enjoyment that's happening, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. And and that women are more complex, right? So it's not just a simple linear yeah, yeah. fashion of what happens um, yeah. when women are aroused and want to have intercourse. Um, and then there was somebody else that came along and uh, his name was Kaplan. And he devised another model and it was called the Kaplan triphasic model of sexual response. And basically in that little segment of excitement and orgasm and resolution, he included uh, desire before excitement. And he Mm -hmm. said that these are the things that are needed. And this is what happens when somebody decides to have sex, right? Did he include women? (laughs) (laughs) 
I actually don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure if he did. I didn't really look into that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what happened then. In 2000, we have a researcher, a female researcher, and one of, you know, Masters and Johnson was uh, a man and a woman. Those were two researchers. But uh, that was back in 1966. But in 2000, um, another researcher came along and her name is Rita Basson. And she still provides a lot of uh, great research on sexual medicine. And she is from uh, Canada and British Columbia. And she came up with this circular model. And that's kind of what I showed you. So I'm just going to show you again. And what she talks about and what is so important is that she added in so many different other components to this um, sexual response cycle and specifically the female sexual response. And what she adds in, which was never included before, is emotional intimacy, right? So women need to have that emotional intimacy to feel that arousal. And so she mentions emotional intimacy, sexual stimuli, you know, sexual arousal, arousal and sexual desire, and then emotional and physical satisfaction, right? So she describes all of this. And the reason why that's important is that women, like I said before, are definitely more complex and need more of this, uh, our bonds, right? We we right. seek out bonds, we seek out relationships. And for a woman to want that type of intimate relationship, she has to have that bond with that person. Correct, correct. So, um, and here we learn a little bit. So, you know, like I was talking about, it says that um, her model acknowledges just the interplay of the emotional intimacy, the sexual uh, stimuli, the psychological factors and the relationship satisfaction that determines the sexual response. So she needs to have, and doesn't all have to be there all at once, but all of those things together help with that sexual response for a woman, right? So, and that's where we, when we talked about that hypoactive sexual desire disorder, and you mentioned, you know, the cultural aspect, the social aspect you know, that's why those were so important because those things also influence whether or not a woman is, you know, able to get aroused and what type of external stimuli. And that's why she also mentions this in her in her circular model and something that I didn't mention before. She also mentions the biological and the psychological aspect. So she incorporates everything into her model of the sexual mm -hmm. response cycle for a woman, mm -hmm. which we talked about before was the biopsychosocial. Yeah, because yeah, we're complex beings. I mean, we don't have one factor. We need multiple factors to get to that point where you want to be intimate with someone. Right, right, right. And so, you know, she also talks about how desire and arousal, it's hard to separate them, right? Mm -hmm. You need both of them together to get to that arousal phase in a woman. Um, we also, she also talks a little bit about, um, you know, the different stimuli and um, how that affects arousal. But again, you know, I think that it kind of goes back to our last podcast about, you know, how the different medications can affect how the different, um, you know, if a woman is having painful intercourse, if she's, um, you know, kind of tightening up even before intercourse starts, right, all of those biological things that may happen also the drugs and medications that may affect it and stress. also um, stress, right? Stress, financial stresses, relationship stress, 
right? If a husband and wife are arguing and fighting, they're definitely not going to want to get intimate with each other in the bedroom, right? And what I always feel is that whatever is going on outside of the bedroom obviously comes in like into the bedroom. Inside the bedroom, yeah, definitely, yeah. Right? So how can somebody, you know, be helped with um, some, you know, getting aroused? And one of the studies, and it's another study by Dr. Basson, is that she talks about mindfulness, you know, and I know mindfulness is something that it's a term that we throw around and, um, you know, gets labeled a lot uh, for different things that we do. But mindfulness plays a huge part in arousal especially for women, right? So it's hard for a woman to get aroused if she's thinking about the laundry list of things she has to do, right? Whether it's like picking up the kids and making dinner and, you know, going and uh, cleaning the house and this and that, right? If she has all those things on her mind, it's going to be difficult for her to get aroused. So this, one of the research that they've conducted is they've noticed that when a woman is in the moment, right? So mindfulness is what? Mindfulness is focusing on one thing without judgment. And so when you're able to do that, when you're able to just focus on that one thing, then that automatically increases arousal and libido and increases desire for a woman. And that's why it's so important. And, and that research that she did shows that even just 20 minutes of practicing mindfulness anywhere in your life. So it could be with, say, that you're out for a walk, you're doing whatever, cooking dinner, but just being present in that moment and focusing on that one particular thing that you're doing, right, can increase your desire and increase your libido. And that's why that's so important to practice mindfulness and to understand that that, that, has, that plays such a big role in arousal and satisfaction. Making sure that women's needs are met prior to bringing it in the um, bedroom. Right, right. Absolutely. So, you know, if you just focus on one thing, right, that mindfulness, that will help significantly. And that's what I want, you know, our listeners and our viewers to take away. Because, you know, I was at a lecture once and um, the speaker was talking about desire and libido. And she said, our biggest sexual organ is the brain, right? You have to be present in the moment to really enjoy it and to get um, to feel that arousal, to feel that stimulation, to feel um, the desire, the excitement, and to be present in the moment. And that's why that's so important. And focus on um, your partner. Yeah. Right, right. But just, you know, to, and it's talk about, you know, it's talking about just paying attention and being present in the moment and that, that cultivates non judgment, right? And that's the biggest thing is that. And again, that actually goes back to coaching. And I actually do want to throw in a plug for my own coaching for, for the life coaching and for the sex coaching, right? Is that we have all these thoughts, right? That come in and out of our brain. And so what one of the most empowering things to know is that we can choose how to feel, right? Things don't just happen to us. We choose to decide how those things will affect us. So those thoughts come in and out and you can, I envision them as like clouds or balloons that we can let go of, right? So if we have negative thoughts that are coming into our brain, we can just decide to let them go because those thoughts then will become our beliefs, right? Yeah. Those yeah. beliefs then become our feelings. 
So then, you know, if we're looking at something and thinking negative thoughts about it, then we'll elicit negative feelings. And then those negative feelings will result in negative actions, yeah. right? So, so that's- Change your frame, uh, thought frame. Oh, what was it? I can't even think of the word. Frame of thought. Change your uh, frame of thought and then you can change pretty much anything you want to, you know? Right, right. So you can change your, right. If you change your thoughts, you can change your beliefs, which then will result in a different way of acting, right? So, so that's why, you know, I think coaching comes in and, you know, whether it be life coaching, career coaching, whatever, but that's how that can help. And that also helps with mindfulness, right? When we're able to focus on one thing and just pay attention to it and then decide how we're going to react to it. Mm-hmm. And so that actually helps, basically. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think that that's one of the most important things. And, you know, what also this research um, confirms is that there's benefit to sexual difficulties from mindfulness training also. So that's kind of what we were talking about a little bit before. And this actually is good for, um, you know, for people all across, but specifically for people that may have experienced abuse and childhood trauma you know, that mindfulness um, also helps them a lot. And also cancer survivors. Mindfulness helps them, you know, with desire and arousal and um, and just feeling, you know, increasing their libido, right? So you care for them, you nurture them. And again, like you said, no judgment. Right, right. Those, we're talking, you're talking about the mindfulness, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, absolutely. So different things over there. And of course, you know, if you are experiencing any of these things, which we talked about the decreased desire, because I like to, I like to focus on that because there's so many different angles and different ways to look at that and to get to the root cause of the problem so that you can come to a solution if, if of course it's bothersome. And that's why I brought up this whole circular uh, model of the sexual response in a woman, because we see all the different aspects and that women are not, you know, this monolith where, you know, and all we need is some, you know, uh, arousal and all of a sudden we're ready to go. And that's just not the way it works, right? Women are very, um, they like relationships, they like to build relationships. And that emotional intimacy for a woman is based on her relationship with her partner or her spouse. And so for men that are out there that are listening, you know, if you want to have that emotional uh, relationship that leads to the desire that leads to the arousal and the intimacy in the bedroom, then it's very important to cultivate that relationship, that communication with your partner and your spouse. Women are complex beings, you know, what, so they have to definitely, you know, be very responsive to what their needs are as well, as well as the men. Right, right. And building that relationship, right. And that's why it's important to have that, um, relationship with your spouse and that open communication so that you both can enjoy the intimacy in the bedroom, but so that you can also enjoy each other's company, right? And like I said, whatever happens in the bedroom is also happening outside of the bedroom. So if that you can cultivate that respect, that um, that connection with your spouse, then that's only going to lead to increased desire and arousal in women. All right, so I think that we are done here, Raf, and it's been real and really intimate. 
I remember that this is not meant to be any medical advice, so please see your healthcare provider if you have any concerns. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. All right. So um, in our last episode, that was actually research done by Rosemary Basson. Thanks, Ralph, for uh, <laughs> correcting me on that. Not Rita Basson. Dr. Basson, <laughs> no disrespect. I appreciate your work and all the work you're doing on sexual medicine. But yes, it is Rosemary Basson, research done by her. There is no Rita. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>